Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexanero Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Wednesday, April the 6th. 2022. And on today's podcast, we are going to preview Saturday's Kentucky football spring game. It's annual blue-white spring game. It's a one o'clock kickoff at Kroger Field, Kentucky, going through spring drills right now. Uh, they'll have a couple of more practices after the game on Saturday, but, but it pretty much wraps up the spring with the game on Saturday. And to help preview the game, I talked with my colleague and UK football beat writer, Josh Moore of the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. So let's not waste any time. Let's Let's get right to my conversation with Josh, where we talk basically about spring practice as a whole, about the offense, the defense, some of the positions, the new coaches. We covered pretty much all of spring practice in my discussion with Josh Moore. So let's get right to it. It's Josh Moore of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, I want to welcome into the podcast uh, my friend and colleague, UK football beat writer at the Herald Leader, Josh Moore. How's it going, Josh? That's good, John. It's a you know, other than the the lack of spring in this spring, we're, we're doing good. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk spring football, but it hasn't exactly been spring. Not spring-like weather, uh, anyway. The spring game is Saturday, 1 o'clock. Looking at the forecast, doesn't look like it's going to be spring-like weather for the spring game at Kroger Field on Saturday. Uh, but, Josh, let's, talk, let's just talk about spring practice overall. Uh, we've, you know, we got an open practice that so we got to see I guess that was last week, um, and of course, talk to coaches and players throughout the spring. Uh, any overall takeaway so far from uh, spring as we head towards the spring game? I think for me, the biggest, you know, if you just want to point to one big, you know, general takeaway from from the spring that you know to kind of sum up everything, it's. You know, it seems like even though there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of new, you know, a few, a couple of new coaching coaches on the staff, and a lot of new players. You know, it still seems like there's a pretty, maybe I'm you know naive, but it seems like there's still a pretty good, strong sense of continuity. Yeah. Um, there that that I think you know that you know, you had this season full of momentum, coming off ten wins again, that I think they'll be able to carry over pretty well into this fall. Um, you get the sense in the spring, there's a lot of guys, you know, it's, it's an interesting mix. You have a lot of guys, you know, like your Will Levis your Chris Rodriguez is your, 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 you know, some of those guys that are you know, Thai Asian that, that have been in the program for a while now that are sort of leading by example, you know, a pretty good mix of young guys and transfers that have come in and are, are trying to make a name for themselves somewhere else now. And I think you, you look at you know some of the things we were worried about coming into the spring. I think the biggest concern probably for a lot of people was the offensive line. And, you know, to me, that group, if you were looking at one, just a single position um, that you should feel better about coming out of spring, I think it's that one. So 
Um, wow. In that sense, you know. Why is that? How, how do you feel better about this offensive line? Well, I was pretty – I was a little, I think, higher on that group anyway. I, I know with, with with Derry and you know, or Kennard and and Dare Rosenthal leaving, you know there was a lot of concern there, obviously about the tackle spots and and I just you know coming in you 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 knew they had talent right like there's a lot of guys so it's not like there was a lack of bodies necessarily you just had to figure out what what that would look like in terms of that situation and and what you know who would be where and and where would they um you know sort of fit the best and I think. You know, a guy like DeAndre Buford, who didn't play last year, you sort of, but he's on the, you know, he was on the depth chart all year last year. He didn't play <laughs> hardly at all, but he was on the depth chart. And so when you come into the spring and he's sort of ends up being your number one tackle, you, you sort of meet that with a little bit of skepticism, I think. But then you hear people talk about him and, and you sort of look at him and he looks pretty, you know, he looks like a pretty stout kid. And I think you, you, you start there and, and you see what they've done in terms of moving some of the guys around up front and, you know, they bring in Tayshaun Manning and he, he looks like a, the real deal at guard. And I think, you know, so combined with, again, I was higher, I think on that group being okay than, than some people were. And, and I'm just sort of, I guess maybe confirming my own <laughs> suspicions. <laughs> um, and, but also I think a lot of it has to do with the coaching too. It seems like they're as a group that, 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 that unit seems more receptive. Um, to, to how they're being coached this this spring, and I think that matters a lot in terms of building up confidence and and getting you know guys kind of all on the same page. Yeah, what, what have yeah new offensive line coach and Zach answer? Which which be which been your impressions of him so far? I mean, he seems like a pretty straight shooter, a guy that I think you know it sort of embodies what that position really needs to be at Kentucky. Um, you know, the, the previous guy was a little bit hard to deal with uh, for a lot of people, and, and the media included, you know, in my experience at least. And, um, you know, he's a good coach. I, I don't think – I think, you know, the, the proof was sort of, you know, bore out there. You don't – Alabama doesn't want you if you're not a pretty right. good at your right. job. Talk about Eric Wolford um, went to Alabama yeah, yeah. after a year at Kentucky went to Alabama. I wasn't going to name names, but, you know, there you go. <laughs> it, 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 I'll name names. Yeah, so he's a <laughs> – he was effective at his job, but um, it just seems like the guys are, again more responsive to to Zach Yitzer. I think he come, you know, he came in. Obviously, he had that John Schlarman connection that kind of gives you some goodwill coming in, and, and a guy that you know, you know, even though it was just a year, he, he learned under him as a grad assistant at Troy. It's it's still, you know, you sort of start with that connection. Then he had some Kentucky ties. He grew um, or was born here, kind of spent a couple of years here before moving to to Georgia, I believe. Um, so you, you, you have that and then you have Mark Stoops, you know, you know, throwing around, you know, he's just, you know, saying basically he's a lot like John Schlarman and putting that on a guy. So, and you can, but you can see it, right. I think you can kind of, you know, I think you got to kind of interact with John a lot more than, than I did, but he, you know, sure seems like just a pretty down to earth, just, you know, guys, guy that, that I think really, you know, when you just, just, you know, we've only talked to him a couple of times and. I haven't got to you know spend any time with him one on one, but you just get the sense that he's a pretty easygoing guy. And you know, I can see I, you just there's just a different vibe about him that I think is closer to what Schlarman was. And he's you know that that guy built this, <laughs> you know, really you could say almost built this program really because it's, it's so much of 
the success that that UK's had over the last few years is attributable. You know, it starts all at the offensive line, really. I mean, it's it, that's where it all starts, and um, without that, nothing else is going to operate. And and so I think you know he just seems to embody that personality a little bit more, and I think seems really keen on developing depth there. I think that was the thing that was missing last year. You had a really strong first wave, you know, obviously, you know, they finished as a finals for the Joe Moore award. They were a really good offensive line, but, but after that first five or six guys, you really didn't have any depth. And I think that's something that they really are working to address this year. And um, it sounds like, you know, you know, if you believe what they say, at least <laughs> it sounds like they're feeling pretty good about where that's headed. Right. Yeah. Uh, and a guy who, who's gotten a lot of praise is on the offensive line, somebody they moved positions, moved Eli Cox from guard to center. Obviously, center has been a very important position in the offensive line in the development of the big blue wall going back to John Toth and then Drake Jackson after that. But uh, they've had nothing but good things to say about Eli Cox and his transition to center. That's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's not surprising to me necessarily that he's been able to make that transition. I think you know, one, I think he trained a little bit there last year. So it's not like he came in cold. But but also, I mean, he just seems like a real smart kid. And, you know, just anytime we've spoken with him, I think, I mean, because that's the biggest thing, right? You, right. you know, you got to be big and you got to be strong, but you also got to be pretty smart to play center. Um, you know, maybe after quarterbacks, the position you, you probably need your you know, smartest guy in the room. Right. Um, and so you you have that going for him. And, and then <laughs> it seems like he's pretty, you know, he's endeared himself pretty well to guys. And, and to go from not really being part of their rotation at all in 2020 to, to you know, what was he, a, a sophomore last year, or a redshirt freshman, all these guys, their classes all over the place for some of these guys. That, <laughs> right. And yeah. to be a I'm midseason. Now he's listed as a junior, so he was a sophomore last year, yeah. Yeah, so midseason All-American as a, as a sophomore, I mean, it's a pretty, you know, at guard, you know, your first year really playing um, in the SEC, that's a pretty pretty high bar to, to set. Um, so I think when you do something like that, though, and you're willing to take, you know, because if you have that kind of position or that kind of year at one position, you know, you're, you're sort of thinking, well, I'll come back and just kill it next year again. But I think to be willing to accept that challenge is, you know, a testament to him and, and sort of speaks to the, you know, his ability to perform there. Because, you know, if you're willing to take that on, you know, it says a lot about you, you know, one, your ability, but also just how, who you are as a person right. um, to want to, you know, I won't call it a sacrifice because it's not necessarily a sacrifice, but you're you're sort of saying, hey, I was good at this spot, really, really good at this spot, but, um, you know, I'm going to try to go do something else for the team. Right. Uh, talking when we talked about Zach Yenser, new offensive line coach, uh, a new offensive coordinator who worked with Zach Yenser with the 49ers and Rich Scangarello before coming to Kentucky. Uh, what's your impressions of Rich so far? Yeah, well, what you can definitely you sort of get the it, it's 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 so clear to see that those two work well together. You know, we I don't I haven't got to watch them like interact necessarily, but just the way they. Just we, the way they talk about things, it just they they seem very much on the same page. Right. Um, and and as far as Rich goes, I, I think you know he's a pretty he's a much different guy than Liam Cohen. I mean, it's not a I don't that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, Liam, I like Liam. He's very energetic, very um, you know, just just a different kind of you know. I think they're some they're very much the same in some ways in terms of you know what I think they're trying to get across in terms of, of an offense and what they're sort of 
you know, just their goals are in terms of, of being leaders, but but they they just go about it in a much different way. I think you know Liam's more, uh, you know, obviously a, a little bit younger and 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 just more kind of exuberant and rah rah. And, and Rich is sort of the opposite of that. It just seems very much a, you know, I'm I'm down, um, you know, I'm coming to work. I'm more I won't say more business like approach because that would be you know underselling Cohen, but just a more, um, I don't know, I almost want to say mathematical analytical sort of right. it's not the right word but that's sort of what i'm trying to get at is just a more you know tempered sort of approach to things and um you know, i like talking to him i mean i think he's a little more um he seems a little more guarded mm-hmm. than cohen in terms of you know when you're when we were just asking him stuff it seems like liam was more willing to kind of um give us some um not to say that rich isn't honest but i think he you know liam i think it was a bit more direct um, cause I remember talking to him about, you know, when we were kind of in fall camp last year, asking about the receivers and, and Liam <laughs> was pretty, um, you know, he said like, you know, sort of said the same thing that, that Richard said that they, they want to get to the point where they can play six or seven guys. Um, and <laughs> just seemed like, you know, you could sort of get the vibe that that's what we want to do, but we can't. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know that. Yeah, I mean, I think that, and that's just one example. And I think there's different reasons for why you could answer that question differently. But um, right. I just, you know, Rich is, you know, he doesn't say a lot of, he won't, he doesn't name players' names, for example. Like, right. he's, he, I think he's, he's, he's very reluctant <laughs> he's to a, talk about specific players. <laughs> I think he's uttered three players' names in spring camp. We've talked to him probably four or five times now. So, right. Will Levis, uh, Chris Rodriguez, and, and Eli Cox in the most that's recent outing. So, <laughs> yeah, that's about it. <laughs> you know, that's the extent of it. And that's fine. You know, I, I mean, right. if you don't want to um, put anything on one guy, like, I get that. I understand that. But, um, you know, so it's just a different approach. And it's, it's like I said, it's not a bad thing. But and I think, he, you know, I get the, the sense that he's a guy that, you know, I think everybody's connecting with pretty well. And I think he, you know, especially it seems like, a, and this is probably the most important thing is it seems like Levis and him are really in accord um and and Levis is really receptive to taking on what what Sangarella brings to the table which is a lot of you know several years of NFL experience uh you know about 30 years worth of coaching quarterbacks basically um and, and so I think you know if you're a player like Levis who you know wants to be in the NFL next year and not just you know maybe be and one of the first guys off the board at quarterback, depending on how this season goes and what he looks like, um, you know, that, that it's good to see that that if they're you know getting on the same page early. Right, right. Uh, okay, let's switch over a little bit to the defense. Uh, uh, anything in particular stuck out to you with defense? Obviously, uh, Brad Whiteback is defensive coordinator. Uh, LSU made a run at Brad, but he uh, decided to stay at Kentucky. Uh, what 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 were your impressions when you watched him at the uh, open practice and and listen to the coaches. What what's your overall impression of the defense during the spring? Um, it's weird. So you have this, this early on in camp. Vito Tisdale goes down with an injury, and that's sort of the as far as the news. That's the biggest thing that's happened defensive wise, right? Um, in spring camp, and and that was probably one of the worst things that could have happened to the defense on paper. Is you lose. A guy that you know you're you so you lose a starter at cornerback. You're trying to figure that out. You're running him out there, um, at least seeing what he can do at cornerback for you and play more of a full time um, role in the secondary because he was sort of acting. You know, he's sort of this hybrid 
um, wild card type guy or joker, whatever they want to call it, um, in the defense and these, you know, these schemes and, and especially, you know, these sort of, you know, situational schemes. And <laughs> so you lose that guy right away. And that, that just thinks it takes away some of your versatility, um, even if you don't use him at corner. And then it takes away a guy at corner that probably would have been, you know, if he was working out there, we didn't really get to see that. So I don't know what it looked like. But, um, you know, if he was doing well, he would have been probably a really good corner. Right. Um, just, you know, just based on his athleticism. So that stinks. And, but I think that group is interesting. They, they have a lot of guys. It's they, so you have Ty Asian back as a super senior. I think that's important there at safety. Um, just having him back to, to just kind of steady things. And, um, you know, he made some plays last year. He's not, you know, he's, he's certainly not like, I don't think he's ever going to be like a missing all sec caliber guy, but he's a guy that just steady and, and, and does his job pretty well. And, and that's important for a group that otherwise is very um, lacking in experience. I mean, they have Carriage and Valentine back. And I think, you know, I hope he improves just for, for that kid. He seems like a really nice kid. I thought he was going to make a jump last year going into the fall. And, and it was sort of, you know, out of the gate, he sort of struggled a bit. And I think some of that's, you know, one, you're just, you're having to play more snaps and, and you're sort of, and, and you're the youngest guy, you know, last year on, secondary so defenses are doing everything they can to attack you and it sounds like he's taken it to heart you know some of the things he struggled with he talked was it a couple weeks ago or last week that he spoke with us and he was talking about you know him and brad White were talking about defending at the top of the route something that he was really you know had a hard time with last year and and really taking that to heart so that's good to see and i think you know i think if you get a lot there from him you know if he makes that leap that i anticipated he'd make last year, I think the secondary, the prospects look pretty good there because they have a lot, you know, out of there, you have a lot of young guys, not necessarily guys who played a lot, but you know, there's a lot of bodies. And, and I think that's still a position, you know, if, if a, if a cornerback were to magically appear out of a power five team, that's upset about a situation or whatever it might be. And in, in up in the transfer portal, I feel like Kentucky would be a pretty, um, you know, attractive destination for a guy like that. But, right. you know, it, so anything can happen. There's a lot that can happen between now and then, you know, the summer. But, you know, for now, you know, with, with just knowing what you have, I think that's sort of, you know, that's still the group that you you are probably the most concerned about um, just in terms of, you know, they won't necessarily drive, you know, the success of the team. Because I think last year it was sort of the same feel. You were sort of worried about this, you know, the secondary a little bit and, you know, I think it's just a little more hot in this year, and and but certainly you know, that group always seems to <laughs> seems like every year that that's sort of a group of interest, and um, they figure out you know a way to kind of patch it together and get it done, and and that obviously starts at the top with with Stoops' experience there coaching that position, but you also you know Chris Collins um, coaching you know that that group, and you know and, and for him, you know, it's obviously getting another year of experience is, is important too, so. Um, yeah, I think they'll be fine. I think, but <laughs> yeah, you never know. Right. Uh, another group that uh, is undergone some change, or we'll have, we'll see a bunch of new faces. I think not necessarily new faces, but guys who are stepping into starting roles, and that's on the defensive line. When you, especially mm-hmm. when you talk about somebody like uh, Rogers at uh, Justin Rogers at nose guard. Well, what's been your impression? And and talk to the coaches and talk to those guys about how they feel the defensive line is developing during spring. Well, I, you know, the, the, the thing I think that matters more there is I think the group as a whole 
I think it's got a chance to be really strong. Oh. Um, it's a lot of sophomores, a lot of guys who, you know, when they were recruited to Kentucky, that that was the year, you know, basically all of these dudes on the defensive line that will be starting this year were were the, the top players in the class that year. Right. Um, you know, like the you know, four of the top five players in the class were all in, you know, on this defensive line or guys who be, you know, be starting this year. Um, you know, the thing you worry about more there is the leadership aspect. You lost Josh Pascal. I mean, and that's and not just for that group, but for the entire defense. That's sort of, you know, he's been, I mean, shoot, he's been a captain for three years, I think, right. <laughs> or maybe it was four years. I mean, he, he, you know, established himself very early. Uh, as a starter level player in the SEC and a guy who, you know, was also just a, you know, incredible leader for a football team. And, and I think, you know, you, so you'll obviously miss that. And I think, you know, it's tough to expect, I, I, you know, obviously some of these guys within their room will have to step up. Somebody's going to have to step up and figure that out. But I think early on more of that, um, you know, just for the whole defense, a lot of that is going to come from, you know, the linebacker spot. DeAndre Square, I think, is going to be a guy who, you know, he's not Josh Pascal, but he's, you know, he will be that type of guy, I think, for the defense and, and sort of shepherd guys along and, and, and especially help, you know, I think early on, he and Jocko Jones both will be, um, you know, telling those guys up front, kind of, you know, you need to be here. You need to, you know, kind of instructing things, basically quarterback in the, the defense from behind the where the D-line sits. So I think, you know, I think that group would be good, though. I mean, you know, especially if Octavius Oxendine is back 100%. I don't, you know, he's, I don't think he's been going through practice. Um, you know, you have Jordan Wright back. That's a guy. You know, I think when we talk about all the guys, the, you know, super seniors and guys coming back and stuff, Jordan Wright sort of had just gotten forgotten. And right. you know, it's a guy that, you know, you could do a, you know, a lot worse than having a, a, a lanky. Uh, uh, what he started at least more than 20 games, 30 games, maybe. And he's played, he's played a whole lot of games at Kentucky right. and, um, you know, a ton of experience there. And so if you have, you know, obviously have him and JJ Weaver at full strength in the fall. And I mean, you, you it's easy to get excited. I think about what you can do, um, on the ends there of the defensive line. And as long as those young guys sort of, you know, just kind of meet the expectations of not their ceiling, but just where they need to be at this point in their careers, uh, I think that group will be pretty good. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Like you said, they came, when they came in, they were very, uh, a very heralded group, and they've got some ex- a little bit of ex- some experience, some more than others on the line, but they've got some experience. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do stepping into a you know primary roles. Let's circle back to the offense for just a minute uh, uh, before we wrap up and talk about something that you mentioned a little earlier about the receivers. And then we, we, we've had a chance to talk to uh, Tavon Robinson, I think, more than once, a couple times. They transfer mm-hmm. from um, Virginia Tech, who's coming in, who's got some big shoes to fill if you want to put him in that Wandale Robinson spot. But what, what about the development of the receivers? Because obviously with Will Levis, a quarterback, uh, you know, a very important group, uh, losing uh, Wandale, losing Josh Ali, uh, Isaiah Epps, uh, losing Isaiah Epps. What, what about that group as a whole this spring? Yeah, well, I think the, you know, one, you, it seems like he and, you know, the, the new Robinson, I wish his name was Tavion Reynolds or something, because I feel bad <laughs> exactly. for the kid. Like, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, I just feel bad for the kid because I bet he was going to get comparisons to Wondell anyway because of the, the nature of a transfer and coming in and kind of doing the same thing. But his name also had to be Robinson. Right. So yeah. it's a, you know, that is what it is. But, 
Uh, it seems like those two, you know, quickly, you know, it, it's not shocking, but it seems like they have a pretty good connection, pretty good chemistry early on. Um, you know, you expect that from a guy who's played three years of college football and, and is playing with a guy who, um, you know, played well at Kentucky last year at quarterback in his first year as a you know, real starter. Um, after that, you know, you still you, you need a lot of young guys to step up. It's, um, you know, I think the difference between this year and last year is well, I won't say you didn't have any young guys step up because it sounded like Dakel Crowdis last fall was was sort of sounded like he was going to be a guy who was going to get some run before he got hurt. Um, so you you sort of you know, you you're excited about what he not be able to bring to the table. Um, you know, Dane Key, I I, I will be. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's not a starter right away because of. You know, you, you defer to seniority, but I, it it would shock me if he goes the whole year and isn't end up being a starter at some point. Um, he looked really good just, in the open you know, practice we got to see. I yeah, know. he looked really good then. He just looks, you know, he he's he just looks like the the most when you think of like what a wide receiver on the outside should look like. He just looks the part better than anybody on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and just has, you know, he just has, he has really long arms. I mean, that's part of it too. I mean, he's, he's tall and he has the, you know, the, the size to, to compete out there just anyway. But then his arms, I mean, his, his catch rate, that's the thing you always hear about him is catch radius. It's the thing everybody says, but it's true. I mean, he, he can, he can catch some balls that, you know, other guys his size can't catch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he'll be, it'll be fun to see what he looks like this fall. And, and he's probably, you know, I think the guy, you know, if I had to pick a guy I'm most excited to sort of see in the spring game, uh, whatever, you know, that looks like, it, it would be him. Um, after that, I think, you know, Chauncey Magwood was the guy who played some last year and I thought it was fun. You know, was int- anytime he was in the game, it was interesting because, you know, he he would – just some of the ways he would run around and he ended up you know, throwing a couple passes and it just seemed like he was a very um, crafty sort of toolbox player. Um so it'll be fun to see how how what what Scangarello can do with a, a guy like that, and I mean, it sounds like Chris Lewis is another young guy who I don't remember him playing much at all last year, but he he you know his name's come up a few times. So I think it's I mean I think you know going into the spring we we a lot of us sort of thought you know the youth movement was on um, in that wide receiver room, and there there's some veterans there. You know, Demarcus Harris, Cleveland Thomas is back from injury, but um, I think ultimately it's going to be a deal where you know, this, this offense is going to be Will Levis, Chris Rodriguez, um, Tavion Robinson, and a lot of young guys, uh, you know, in terms of the skill players. So, and, um, and I think that'll be good long-term. So, yeah. And, and tight ends. Uh, it seems like yeah, they're talking yeah. to the coaches uh, and to the players. It looks like the tight end's going to have a, a much bigger role in this offense under Rich Gangarello. A lot of talk about uh, tight ends being used as H-backs or fullbacks, so having an actual fullback in the offense, much like the 49ers used with Juszczyk. Uh Obviously, the 49ers had a, have a great tight end with George Kittle uh, that they used uh, in different ways, although Kittle was probably more of an inline blocking tight end. But you've got Keaton Upshaw coming back after sitting out last year with an injury uh, for Kentucky. Uh, you've got some other young guys, uh, Brenda, Get- Brenda Bates is back. They've made a position change with uh, one of uh, one of the Dingles uh, there. Uh, what about the tight end position? Well, I got to say, after years of of <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, there was a, I think an emphasis on trying to improve this some last year, but 
But after years of people, you know, wanting us to want, wanting UK to throw to to the tight end a lot more, yeah. I think this year, this is um, the year. <laughs> yeah, this might be the year, and if this ain't the year, then it ain't never happening. Right. <laughs> but, um, and and maybe you know maybe they won't. You know, if you want to see tight ends run the ball, you might end up seeing that something. Right. I mean, I think they're. Yeah. I think you're because that's you know that was something that jumped out to me was watching and watching that open practice was the, uh, um, you know the way they use Justice Diggle. I mean, they you know they he's he was listed there and that sort of jumped out to people. You know, he was a linebacker. He came here as a linebacker. I think he went. You know, he's from Georgia Tech. Uh, well, back up. Bowling Green's star. You know, down in in, in southeast or southwestern Kentucky. Goes to Georgia Tech as a defensive end, <laughs> transfers here as a linebacker, and now he's playing uh, tight end. So let's we you know give him more years of eligibility and he'll be playing quarterback before we know it. So right. <laughs> the 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 he's but he was you know they, they so you see that and you think on the on the roster and they go okay that's cute and but then you actually watch the practice and I mean he's out there with the first team lining up several reps. I mean it's not a joke. So. Um, so that's kind of interesting, and, and you know, it'll be fun to see what sort of what he looks like if they show anything on on Saturday. And 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 you know, I don't know. Yeah, you have Keenan Upshaw. I mean, he's another guy. I talk about when you're talking about guys who sort of get kind of lost in the shuffle. That that just you know, if you have him last year, what does that do for for Wondell Robinson and 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 Will Levis? I mean, that you it's. I mean, he might have been you know after Wondell the best receiver on the team. I mean, that's not hyperbole i think he probably could have been the second leading receiver um and and just you know if he if he's at full strength i think that's just a an incredible um tool for for scangarello to to deploy out there in, in the offense and and opens up a whole lot and you know because i think because the other guys i mean like you know your baits and 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 you know cummings you know and, and he's a guy that's been hurt you know or went you know through surgery and hasn't practiced in the spring and so you won't see him out there on Saturday, but you know those guys are fun. But you know Keaton Upshaw is, you know, the different kind of animal in terms of just physically what he brings to the table and his ability to run downfield. So, um, you know, you, yeah, that's I think the guy. If you had to pick a guy to to put in, you know, a bubble and to just you know not, you know, have him touch anything until September. Uh, you know, if you had to pick a guy that wasn't Will Levis, that that might be the next guy, honestly. Yeah, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, and we didn't really talk about Levis. Uh, I mean, obviously he's back. He's uh, I thought he looked really good, even though he threw a couple of interceptions in the practice that we got to see. I feel like he's kind of stepped up to the next level in his confidence and the way he was approaching. Uh, you know, just just his throws and so forth. Uh, he's got another offensive coordinator, but it's basically the same system with some variations off of that. And the other thing about Will, and we talk, we've talked about this with the coaches, I mean, there's no dispute about who the leader is, especially on offense. It's Will Levis. He's the leader. He's the face of this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, it's – I mean, he came to Kentucky last summer and was – you know, basically every, you know, before they would name a starter, it was very clear that he was a starter. I mean, he's taking pictures and showing off his muscles with Wondell and Josh Ali. And right. I mean, like, I mean, I, I remember I was on vacation when that photo came out and <laughs> I looked at uh, my buddy. We, we were down there with me and my wife were down there with another couple. And I looked at my buddy and I was like, well, there's your starting quarterback. You know, <laughs> so it's just like, right. you know, it's, and you know, that was a two months before they, made it official but 
you know, it's just, it's, you know, it just, I mean, it, I mean he has a really good personality. I like interacting with Will yeah. Levis. You know, sometimes oh, yeah. with players, you know, there's a lot of players that are, are good to talk to. You know, it's, uh, yeah, but, but some guys are just better at it than others. And that, you know, and that, that's fine. That is what it is. And, and, but, but Will, you know, and it's not like a quarterback thing because there's, there's quarterbacks who can be lousy speakers. I've talked to plenty of high school kids. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, he just gets it, man. He just seems like he's he's really. You get why he ingratiates himself to a room really quick. You know, it just seems like he's just he's just natural. I mean, that's a lot of it's just I think an, an innate thing with him, um, and and a confidence that you know I think sometimes it sort of comes across maybe on the field. You know, especially when he's like leveling linebackers and 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 kind of. Um, and throwing the L's down at, at Cardinal Stadium, I think sometimes it, it can maybe borderline on arrogance if you're looking at it from, you know, an opposing perspective. But I think it's a, it's, I think it's a genuine confidence that is, you know, it's pretty, you know, fairly pure um, with him. And and so, you know, you get why he's a good leader for this team and and a guy that takes it. You know, I think he takes it very seriously too. And that was the thing that jumped out to me the first time we got to talk to him. Um, during fall camp last year is this, you know, you, you got the sense right away that he just really believed he should be the starter. And, but it wasn't, you know, again, wasn't arrogant about it. And, and but, but just felt like you know, a guy that was going to get the job done. And then he, you know, for the most part did last year. And, you know, it'd be fun to see, I think for him, the biggest thing this year, you know, he checks all the boxes in a lot of ways in terms of, you know, being a next level guy, it's a lot of it's just, you know, improve the accuracy. I think he mentioned, was it 70% was the mark he's shooting for? Right. Yeah, I think, I believe he said that one, one he day. Did. So he did. Um, yeah. So if you, if you can hit that, then you, uh, that's, that's certainly both that would bode well for Kentucky's prospects on the field and his prospects as a, as an NFL player. And, um, but you do that and, and show just some of the, the incremental growths that, you know, some of the short field stuff, some of the, um, you know, I think some, for him, some of it is reining in that physicality a little bit and, and just being more judicious with it, um, is an important thing for him to show. And, um, otherwise, though, I mean, I think, you know, there's not a, you know, the, the, the things that he needs to work on are small. I don't think it's like you need to see these huge areas of improvement necessarily from Will Levis in order for this team to be really good. No, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, we got the game on Saturday. Uh, as we were talking before we started recording, we don't. They haven't really told us what kind of game it's going to be. Uh, Rich Gangarello, when we was asked about it the other day, basically said they're going to try to show as little as possible <laughs> to <laughs> other teams. Uh, so, uh, but still, you know, hopefully the weather will be a little warmer than they're predicting. But um, I know after not having a spring game for the last couple of years, uh, fans I know are anxious to get out there and, and you know get to see what they look like, get to see some of the individual players, uh, I would think, on Saturday. Yeah, that's one of the things, um, you know, I'm, I'm writing a, a little article, putting together just kind of like, you know, things to watch in the spring game or, or some questions that, that, you know, we'll be wondering about, that kind of thing. And and one of the things that I'm you know, kind of closing it with, though, is like, you know, why should I care? Why should I go? I mean, it's going to be possibly in the 30s and, and you know, it's like, well, you know what? It's 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 still spring technically. It's a time of rebirth or renewal. Um, and March was pretty lousy if you're a Kentucky fan. So I mean, it's you didn't have a whole lot to to get excited about or stay excited about. And 
Um, and that includes some things on the football side that, that kind of went awry with the, you know, with Vito Tisdale and a, and a, and a, and a rest and then some of these things. So, um, you know, let, kind of embrace this for what it is and yeah, maybe they'll go out there and, you know, run the ball 40 times and, and <laughs> Chris, and that'll be that. But, um, I don't know. I feel like it's a chance to, you know, for, for, for the BBN to kind of go have a little fun and maybe go to Keeneland afterwards, watch the bluegrass steaks and, right. um, and do all that stuff, kind of make a day of it. You know, it is what it is. Right. Right. Uh, well, it's one o'clock Saturday at Kroger field. Josh will be there. Uh, I'll be out of Keeneland doing the bluegrass, but, uh, Josh and Mark story will be there, uh, covering the spring game for you. Uh, follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Moore HL, uh, follow all his work on the online and Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald leader. Josh, as always, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, it's always fun, John. I hate that you won't be able to, you know, sit in the press box with us. It'll be, you know, I hope I keep, uh, keep the pony safe out there in the snow. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do, I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs> okay. That'll do it for this edition of the John Clay podcast. My thanks as always to Josh Moore. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Moore HL. Read him online at Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald Leader. Be sure and follow him before, during, and after the game uh, on Saturday. Like we said, it's a 1 o'clock start at Kroger Field, UK's annual blue-white spring football game. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You can send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. Thanks to everyone who has followed, subscribed, and sent feedback about the podcast. You can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio podcast. Remember, you can get a sports-only sports pass digital subscription to Kentucky.com. All of our UK coverage, high school coverage, $30 for the first year. Go to Kentucky.com, hit on the subscription tab, check out all the offers to subscriptions to Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. We appreciate everyone who supports our work at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. We appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. appreciate Josh Moore for being our guest, and thanks. We'll be talking to you again soon on another edition of the John Clay Podcast.